The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Seneca's letter number 65, subtitled On the First Cause. Now, I started reading this letter on Shabbos in a print edition of Seneca, well, obviously print edition on Shabbos, uh, and I read, I chose it at random. And it felt really weird because it didn't sound like the way Seneca usually sounds. Uh, it was talking about abstract philosophical ideas, nothing seemingly having to do with decision-making or how to live. And then after Shabbos, when I checked out the letter on the Tim Ferriss edition uh, on the PDF, uh, there's a note from the editor before this letter, which says, for many readers, this is one of the more confusing and abstract letters. Feel free to skip and return later if that holds true for you. <laughs> so um, the letter basically is about what we mean by cause. And he goes through – he starts off with uh, certain opinions from the Stoics about how there are two causes – uh, strictly speaking, in the universe, there's cause and matter. Then he talks about how Aristotle said that there are really three causes. There's the the material cause, the efficient cause, and the formal cause. Then he adds Aristotle's fourth cause, which is the the final cause, which is the purpose of a thing. Then he talks about how, according to Plato, there's a fifth cause, which is the idea or the pattern. And then he says, he criticizes Aristotle and Plato and says how they're either having too many causes or too few causes. But then after all of this, he he raises a question or really an objection. He says like this, but you will reply, what pleasure do you get from wasting your time on these problems, which relieve you of none of your emotions and master none of your desires? So in other words, the question <clears throat> that he's raising is basically like, Seneca, what are you doing talking about all this abstract philosophical stuff? You know, um, you know, this is very, uh, very lofty topics that have to do with the nature of the universe, but it doesn't have anything to do with actually with living, which is what your philosophy is about. So the answer he gives to this question is, to me, very eye-opening. So I want to read the answer and then just discuss some of the implications here. So he answers uh, as follows. He says, so far as I am concerned, I treat and discuss them, meaning I I treat and discuss these questions, as a valid means of pacifying the mind. First, I scrutinize myself and then the universe. And not even now am I, as you think, wasting my time. All these questions, provided that they are not minced and fragmented into futile hair-splitting, elevate and lighten the soul, which is weighed down by a heavy burden and desires to be freed and to return to the elements of which it was once a part. For this body of ours is a weight upon the soul and its punishment. Under its pressure, the soul is squeezed and bound until philosophy comes to its support by prescribing contemplation of nature as a refreshment and directs it away from the earthly to the divine. This is the soul's liberation. This is its enlargement. In the process, it obtains release from the custody which constrains it and recovers and recovers its heavenly energy. Just as skilled workmen who have been engaged upon some delicate piece of work which wearies their eyes with straining, if the light which they have is grudging or precarious, go forth into the open air and in some park devoted to the people's recreation, delight their eyes in the generous light of day, so the soul, imprisoned as it has been in this gloomy and darkened house, seeks the open sky whenever it can, and in the contemplation of the universe finds rest. Okay, so this, so what's his answer? He's basically saying, why am I involved in these questions? Because it provides a much needed refreshment for my soul. It's a means of pacifying the mind. And just like if you're working indoors in, you know, fine, uh, it, 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 without much light in, with very small objects, you can get, uh, you know, a nice refreshment by going to a park and like looking at things in, in ample light. So I I was very taken aback by this. I mean, you know, here is Seneca 
talking about the types of questions that Plato and Aristotle discuss, which is the nature of the universe and what causes are and how things come to be and what what's the relationship between matter and form. And, you know, these are also questions that our Chachamim, that our sages uh, discuss, especially in, you know, the medieval time, in the period of the Rishonim. And, and Seneca is taking them up seemingly with all of the rigor that these other philosophers do. But then when he, he raises the question, why are you doing it? He says, oh, you know, I basically just need to do this to, to give my mind some, uh, some rest and to, to pacify and, and, uh, and, and calm my mind, you know, just give it a little break. So what I find interesting about that is that it is not, I mean, that's diametrically opposed in many ways to Judaism's view of learning. I mean, we really hold that the highest level of learning is lishma, is learning for its own sake. And as the Ramam expresses it in the introduction to Perichelik, you know, what does it mean to learn for its own sake is the only purpose of truth is to know that it is true. It's seeking the truth for, for the sake of the truth itself. And not for gain, not as a means to anything else, not not because the activity provides you with any sort of benefit, you know, even though it obviously does provide you with benefit, but that's not why you're doing it. And uh, it shocked me that Seneca is saying that, yeah, I like thinking about nature just to give my mind some relief from its weariness from being trapped in the body. Uh, but that's it. it you know, it's, it's really, <laughs> that is a very not Lishma way of being oriented towards learning. This is not for its own sake. It's really just using, it, I mean, almost reminds me of like someone who will do, you know, like Sudoku or something like that uh, as an intellectual activity to just kind of, you know, give their mind something to be occupied with. Uh, and it just happens to be that he's saying that he occupies his mind with, uh, with thoughts about the nature of the universe. So, Anyway, that was very interesting. And then I, when I was thinking more about this phrase where he says that the um, uh, I treat and discuss them as a valid means of pacifying the mind, I realized that the Rambam uses a very similar expression in the end of Hilchos Yisodia Torah, the laws of the foundations of Torah in chapter four. So he talks about how there are two subject matters. There's Masa Merkava, which he would translate as metaphysics, and Masa Breshis, which is physics. And then there is... Um, and he calls those Dover Gadol. He calls those um, uh, a great, you know, great principle. Um, and then there's Dover Katan, which is um, which is what he refers to as Havayos Dabai Varava, is the 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 debates of Abai and Rava, who were two two Talmudic sages. And the Ram is explaining why it is why you have to start off with Dover Katan. You have to start off with the in depth analytical study of halacha. Uh, and progress from there to physics and metaphysics. And he says, Vani Omer Shein Royal Hitalba Pardes Ela Mishinismale Kreso Lechamabasar. He says, uh, there's, he, he said earlier that Pardes, um, the orchard, is another um, uh, nickname that's used for these, uh, for physics and metaphysics. He says, I say that it is not, it is only. The only one who is fit to take a stroll in the orchard or in the garden is someone who has filled his belly with meat and uh, with bread and meat. And this bread and meat, who laid is to know the explanation and the elucidation of the prohibited and permitted uh, and other things like that from the other mitzvahs. Even though the sages called this uh, a small matter or a small principle. Shari Amr Chachamim for the sages said, Davar Gadol Masim Rekava, a great matter is metaphysics, but Davar Katon and a small matter, Havaya Dabai Varava, is the debates of Abai and Rava. Afal Pichin, nevertheless, Ru'in Hain Lahagdiman, it is fit to proceed them with them, meaning to proceed to, to do 
um, the study of halacha before the study of metaphysics. Why? Here's where he says it. Shehin miyashvin da'ato shel adam t'chila. Because they settle the mind of man first. Um, they settle man's mind or man's psyche. Um, I think, uh, I, I guess it's a debate as to what he means here. And then he also says, They're also, also they are the great good uh, that God has bestowed to us for the settling of this world so that we can inherit life in the world to come. The and it's possible for everyone to know them. Uh, and it's possible for everyone to know them, meaning to know halacha, um, the the great and the small, men and women, uh, narrow-minded people, uh, uh, abstract, abstract thinkers and, and narrow-minded people. So here he says that he's not saying that the purpose of learning halacha is is yishu hadas, is to settle the mind of man, but he's explaining why it's why you should start off with learning halacha and, and gemara and all of the stuff before you go into metaphysics. And he's saying it settles the mind of man first. And I just realized that you know, even though the Rambam and Seneca use the same phrase, they mean completely different things. I mean, however you take the Rambam, and, and I'm sure there are many ways to interpret him, Rambam is basically saying that by learning halacha, you are training or preparing your mind or your psyche to be able to enter into the realm of metaphysics. And when you enter into the realm of metaphysics, that is something that you are presumably learning lishma. You're learning it for its own sake because knowledge itself is valuable, or you're learning it because that's what leads to Ahavas Hashem and Yeras Hashem, to love of God and fear of God. So again, a far cry from the pacifying of the mind that Seneca is talking about. And again, this is just another, uh, again, from what I've seen, this is the, the first time that Seneca has talked about the the purpose of studying the universe. And it is a far cry from, from uh, Judaism's reasons for studying the universe. Uh, and uh, just wanted to highlight that in this episode. That is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.